Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. Well, Oregon State is in a precarious position. Football is scheduled for 2024. What's going on with that? Football coach Jonathan Smith leaves for Michigan State. What next? Lawsuit, Pac-2 conference against the world. They win the lawsuit, but now it's uh, stuck in the Washington Supreme Court. Should get should get a resolution on that this week. Well, I went in search of answers, and the guy that I wanted to talk with over the weekend, while everybody was fretting about Jonathan Smith, I was efforting Scott Barnes, the Oregon State Athletic Director, communicated with him over the weekend, said, hey, Oregon State fans, college football fans, taxpayers, they want to hear from you. He agreed to come on today's show. Now, he was supposed to appear live. Right here at 4 o'clock. But they have a coaching search that was requiring a bunch of interviews. They had a team meeting that was scheduled this morning. And so Scott Barnes said, can I talk to you first thing Monday morning? And I said, as long as there's not going to be like a breaking news announcement that comes after our interview that would make it moot, I'm good with that. So we taped an interview this morning. Not here to mislead you. It is a taped interview. And I'm going to cue it up, have Stephen play it, and then I want your reaction to it. Listen to what he says about Jonathan Smith. Listen to what he says about the timeline for Michigan State getting involved and what Oregon State was trying to do to retain Jonathan Smith. And then listen as he talks about why Trent Bray is not the interim coach right now at Oregon State but still remains a candidate. Here's my talk with Scott Barnes, the Oregon State Athletic Director. Obviously a lot going on in Oregon State's world. Jonathan Smith off to Michigan State. Um, end of the regular season. Bowl game ahead. Pack 2 lawsuit. Uh, the uh, coaching search. Nobody better to talk about it with than Scott Barnes, the guy who's at the center of all of that and is going to have a hell of a week and a busy week. Scott, how are you doing? Hey, we're doing great. It's uh, just living another day in paradise, John. <laughs> you got to kind of embrace it. You know, it beats just sitting yeah. around twiddling your thumbs a little bit, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I'm kind of built strangely that way, this sort of, you know, this sort of uh, trying to find solutions and, and tamp down crisis uh, uh, gets me gets me pretty energized. So we'll, we'll get through this in, in good fashion. Let's start with uh, Jonathan Smith. Uh, a lot of fans want to know at what point he had one foot out the door. Did, what what kind of sense did you get as the season unfolded about his unrest? Yeah, John, what was interesting about this, if we kind of go back, I mean, Michigan State had such a prolonged search, right? They, they made some decisions early in the season, and Jonathan became uh, a target very early, which allowed me uh, to uh, certainly put an offer on the table very early uh, uh, in the process as well. You know, lots of dialogue. It sort of uh, uh, continued to evolve, um, you know, um, to, to the point of, of him, him making his decisions uh, very late and, and uh, finalizing that uh, sometime Saturday morning. When you say you put an offer in front of him, um, can you give us any kind of 
specifics on how much security you were you were able to offer him? Yeah, no, no, no. Other than other than um, wanting to work with him uh, uh, on a deal and 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 both uh, meeting with his agents several times as well. Uh, that, that secured him and his assistance, and uh, having that conversation very early in the process, uh, because uh, certainly uh, aside from Michigan State, Jonathan was a hot commodity na- nationwide, and, and so putting putting uh, that to action early was really important to me. Did did he give you a call when he knew he was out? I mean, prior to the Civil War, do you get a call from him saying, "Hey, this is my last game," or do you have a conversation? No, we, we talk. Uh, we have Monday meetings every, and, and then I talked to his agent several times uh, over that last week. And we met. We had a, a call Saturday morning. Um, uh, I had a call with his agent, and Jonathan Saturday morning when, when was confirmed. And then both uh, Jonathan and I uh, met with the team um, that morning, and, and Jonathan sort of said his goodbyes, and then I teed up sort of the process and the plan moving forward. Um, you know, when you look back at the last year i mean a lot of this is out of your control with the pac-12 stuff happening how much of jonathan's decision do you think had to do with just the uncertainty in 2024 versus i've done what i can do at oregon state and did he give you any kind of sense there you know the only conversation we had around that john um was that he liked our plan and and you know there's a lot to like about it and 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 we'll uh we'll get there but um, you know, probably as good a shot as we've ever had uh, in, in sort of executing this plan to be in a CFP playoff um, with 12 teams and potentially seven at large. We'll see right now six and six may go to seven and five. So he, he uh, embraced the plan. Uh, now, that said, let's just be candid. You know, the, the uncertainty, um, I got to believe, uh, helped him, uh, helped inform his decision. But Aside from that, I, you know, uh, you'd have to you'd have to talk to him. Um, the the plan itself, uh, he, he embraced, but at the end, uh, you know, he made a decision that he felt was best for him and his family. And uh, want to you know want to thank him. Uh, think about what he took over right six years ago, and and where we sit now, the foundation we have uh, to build from. Um, and and he obviously had uh, everything to do with that. Scott Barnes with us, Oregon State Athletic Director. Let's let's get to the the next hire. Um, you obviously have to move quickly. How quickly can you move, given policy, state law, uh, Rooney Rule, all of that? Yeah, we can move. We can move very quickly. Uh, thank God for the thing called Zoom. Right, we we get to we get to move very very quickly in that regard. We'll uh, sort of rack them and stack them here um, today um, and and move forward to uh, to having a head coach name prior to the transfer portal window. That is my goal, and I certainly think it's attainable. Given that parameter, I mean, I'm just drawing conclusions here. It, people that you know, that you're comfortable with, that you've had previous interactions with, who know your campus, who know the West Coast, those kind of candidates seem like they would rise to the top. How much can you tell us about the early shortlist that you have? Yeah, you know, there's a half a dozen there. It's amazing how many people have connections to Oregon State in one way or another. But it, it, it's also some that are outside that uh, that realm, John. That you know, I've been in this 35 years, so I do I do know 
the candidates well and, and uh, understand what we're dealing with. And that helps certainly inform the final decision. What are you looking for? Look at, you know, the baseline, John, as is, is always, want, want somebody that, that uh, impeccable integrity and character, leadership capacity to run this. What becomes even more important in today's, uh, what I'll say is sort of a free agent market mentality between the NIL and the portal. And that's, that's the connection that a, a coach has with his players. And um, there's different ways to determine that, but that is so important nowadays for two reasons. One, certainly recruiting, but secondly, retention of student-athletes. And if, if a student-athlete knows and trusts a head coach that that head coach has his back, uh, then then that, that NIL number that, that is floating out there somewhere else isn't as important. Uh, because they know they can thrive, and, and we've seen that here. We've seen our student-athletes thrive and grow here, and people see that. People see transfers coming in and thriving, and that's uh, that's super important. So, um, you know, those fundamentals I talk about, but, but that connection, is, and then always, John, particularly here, what's your plan? Not generally speaking, Everybody, every football coach has a system and a plan. What's your plan for Oregon State? And, oh, by the way, what's your plan for Oregon State, given the transition that we're in? And we'll dig deep into that. Uh, obviously, I can talk to candidates uh, more candidly than I can talk to the public right now about where we're headed. And so we'll, we'll get all that teed up. Yeah. How important is a sitting head coach or the experience of being a head coach to you in this? You know, it, it's – not the number one thing. Uh, for me, and, and sort of living through this, I, this will be my fifth football hire, um, you, you, want the, you want the fit, you want the energy, the leadership capacity, you want uh, a lot of things. You can get that a head coach or a coordinator. What we have to be certain of is that, as we did with Jonathan, is that if we hire a coordinator, a first-time coach, that we surround him with excellence, both from an administrative staff um, to uh, the coaches that, that this individual hires, is making sure that that experience and and uh, those things are around him. And, and then, you know, you always want a coach, particularly for the first time, that admits they don't know everything. And and, he, and, and I've always had, I've been blessed to have as a partner. And, and so... As we navigate through this thing, um, I've had great partners, um, and, and I need a, a CEO mentality. I need a partner that I can um, lock arms with, and, and we can work together to move through all this. And, and uh, I'm excited about the, the candidate pool and, and who's interested because there, there are a bunch of good ones out there. guy that obviously comes to mind, Trent Bray, the, your defensive coordinator, he uh, to this point has not – announced that he's going and appears to be a candidate for you guys uh the fact that he's not the interim coach you know some are making conclusions there going well if they didn't like him as interim coach how could they like him was there a reason you kept him out of that interim coach role yeah it's my it's my it's a philosophy for me you know and and i'm you know i i don't i don't want to start listing candidates but but as i think about uh candidates for a permit job i want to keep them out of the fray you know i i i uh any candidate that I'd have that I'm interested in, and, and you can look at, at, at this as I my career, I, I don't put them in the interim role. 
I, I keep them out of that, and it's just a philosophy I've had. Scott Barnes with us, Oregon State Athletic Director. Um, you know, the uh, the firm that you have contracted with will come in. Is Will they only work on the head coaching job? Will you expand their role to coordinators? How does that work? No, I, it's, a, it's a great question, John. No, what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll focus on the head coaching search as a very condensed uh, time frame, as you and I have discussed. And then um, as, we're, as we're interviewing coaches, we'll want to know what their plan is for, for coordinators and assistants. And then we'll, we'll help any way we can in that. But certainly I want uh, uh, somebody that's going to come in and sit in the seat that knows, um, has a really good idea and plan around who they would bring and why. So those those things uh, we'll, we'll we'll understand as we go through the process here. The plan for 2024, you you know you sort of mentioned how important that is and that Jonathan was on board with it. Uh, you know how soon will people see a schedule, and and what can you tell us about it? Yeah, it, it's here's what I can tell you, and it's you know let me first say to our our Beaver Nation, I, I I hear you on the frustration. You know when you're dealing with what we're dealing with, conference alignment, scheduling, and head coaching searches, you can't say a ton. But here here's uh, this will this schedule will be, I think, representative of a lot of what they've seen in the past. We'll have we'll have six Group of Five games, some top tier Group of Fives. We'll have five Power Fives is what we're working for, towards a smattering of, of different uh, Power Five conferences. And then uh, an FCS that we've always had, we'll have an FCS. So some of those are already booked. The additional ones will be announced very, very soon. And some of the ink uh, won't be dry on a couple of those. They may linger a little further. And, and, and just uh, from a sort of protocol uh until you have the ink dry on a contract, you really just can't say. Because if something goes, you know, it's so fluid. If it changes, then it changes, and you've got to retract. So we'll we'll uh, we'll give some information here very soon, um, and then uh, the balance as we as we finalize uh, some of the contracts, we will we'll announce that so we can do it all at once. How important is it to get some power four, power five presence in? on that schedule if you know the the prevailing thought is and you don't have to get into too much of this but the prevailing thought being hey there's going to be a some kind of partnership with the mountain west how how important will it be to play some games like the purdue game that you've got you know in a non-conference yeah. schedule and yeah. add to that yeah yeah no really important I, you know the goal again is, is if we played six group of fives we played five power fives so obviously purdue's on the schedule washington state will be on the schedule and we've got three more we're, we're talking to and trying to get the finish line. And as you think about, John, as you think about that schedule and you think about this playoff expansion to 12 and potentially uh, that that's, you know, six and six or seven and five format where we'd have seven at-larges, there's a path to playoff there. Um, there really is. So we're, we're excited. And I know Beaver Nation is chomping at the bit to get this done. We'll – We'll have it uh, have it done soon. I know they've heard me say that too, but until the extra, I can't say the specifics. But that's the format: that's six uh, group of fives, five power fives, and then that's all of are being uh, you know finalized. And and we'll have that obviously ahead of uh, our our season ticket information, renewal information, which we're planning on getting out there early early January. But obviously, um, much of this will be will be solved and announced before then. Yeah, so we're talking the portal opening on December 4th. 
uh, ideally a coach in place before that date, uh, some kind of schedule announcement before that date or announcement of a plan moving forward. Um, yep. One of the biggest questions I put out uh, on social media last night, you know, I'm going to talk to Scott Burns, and I said, what do you want to know? And the question that keeps coming back is people want to when you knew Jonathan was leaving and what you tried to do about it, or was there anything yeah. that you could do about it in yeah. the end? Yeah, and again, you know, we talked earlier, I think we talked a little earlier, the contract, you know, we had, I guess, I'd say about five weeks prior, you know, back uh, quite a ways with his agent and him. We meet weekly. We, we uh, had that, um, you know, had those talks starting. So, um, in the end, no. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, he didn't bite. And, and he moved on. And then the, part, the second part of that question is, when did I uh, ultimately know? Now, remember, all this is evolving, right? We're talking all the time. Um, but as it got closer and closer, the final answer when they said we have uh, been offered and accepted came Saturday morning. The offer came, you know, officially Friday and I think Friday night maybe in the um, the acceptance, acceptance Saturday uh, is when I knew. So I knew Saturday morning, and that's when Jonathan and I went met, met with the team later that morning. He met with staff. He and I met with the team. He met first, and then I, I shared sort of our process going forward. And I'll do that again today. We'll meet here actually in just a few minutes with the team, uh, introduce the interim coach, Kavense Henson, let Kavense talk to them about bowl preparations, practice plans, and the like, and then we'll grab a, a group of, a smaller group of team leaders and, and meet with them and, and get in a little more detail. Scott, when you have that final call with Jonathan, I mean, that, that what is that feeling? Most of us have not been on the other end of the phone in that business setting. Yeah, it's, a, it's like, a, it's hard. It's like, you, you know, part of you, you lose, you lose a partner and a friend, right, that, that you've been, you know, in the trenches with for six years and, you know, guys, guys, a beaver. And, and, uh, you know, we (laughs) obviously did everything and wanted him to stay. So it's sad. Um, you know, I, you know, when he, he addressed the team, I, you know, I gave him a big old hug and, you know, I love the guy. And, and, um, I think for Beaver nation as as mad as everybody may be at certain things. Um, look, He's doing what he believes is right for him and his his his, his uh, family, and he's left this in, in 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 a really good spot, and we're going to take that and run with it. So, um, yeah, tough though, John, really tough. All right, so uh, timeline moving forward. Obviously, will you bring coaches to campus, or will they mostly be done via Zoom or offsite meetings? Limited. What? Yeah, we'll do. We'll bring limited limited folks to campus out of the out of these Zooms. Yep. Um, all right. I appreciate you joining us and talking us through some of this. I, I also think, you know, for, for fans who want to get involved or maybe feel a little bit helpless, I keep saying that this is an opportunity for the collective, an opportunity for fans yeah. to say, hey, you know, if the plan is to fund it like it's a Power 5 conference and, you're, and you can win that lawsuit, what else do you need? What do you need from your fan base? Yeah, no, thank you, John. And, it, you know, pro, the most important tool in, in today's college athletics is, is uh, NIL money. Um, we do it the right way. We lean into retaining our student-athletes through NIL activities. And, 
connecting with the collective, uh, uh, please do it. Uh, the damnation is all over. You know where to get there, and please join. Uh, help help retain our student athletes and reward them for work well done. We'll do it the right way. We lean into our core values and, and how we do that, and uh, that that in and of itself, John. And thanks for teeing it up. Is is uh, priority number one. All right, Scott Barnes, good luck to you. Make sure you hydrate this week and uh, and get some rest. You're going to need it. Thank you, buddy. Talk soon. There it is. Scott Barnes, Athletic Director, Oregon State. I want your reaction. What did you hear there? Do you feel better? Do you feel the same? Do you feel worse? 503-417-7575 is the phone number. Plus, I'll talk about the Ducks and the Huskies. Plan for all the marbles. Your phone calls and that still ahead. Well, you heard from Scott Barnes, the athletic director at Oregon State. Anna's popped into the studio. Anna, we're going to kick this around. I want to go right to the phone lines, if that's all right with you. Welcome to the studio. Yeah, hi. Going to go right to the phone lines. Uh, but by the way, you've been kind of tuned in to Oregon State fans and the emotions that they're feeling. Um, and, uh, you know, you're watching them on social media. They're not happy. Yeah, I mean, not just on social media, but just talking to people um, at the Civil War. You know, everybody has this feeling where it's not just about Jonathan leaving. And, you know, at the Civil War, we didn't know that that was the case, but that was certainly up in the air. And the thing is, this is not just like a normal coach leaving situation. I think any time that a coach leaves, we forget it's not easy most of the time. Like 99% of the time, there isn't this smooth transition. Um, so I understand. People are upset. They have all kinds of feelings about it. It really ranges the spectrum. And I don't blame people for having strong feelings because it's like they're asked to believe in a program. Jonathan Smith is the figurehead of that program. And for him to leave as suddenly as he did immediately, essentially, after the Civil War, I understand why people are rattled. Let's go to the phone lines. I want to hear from people who listen to the interview and have thoughts on it. Let's go to Michael, who is in Eugene, listening on Fox Sports Eugene. Michael, go ahead. John, great Civil War. I'm a duck to the core. My heart goes out to Beaver Nation. And unfortunately, the next... The next cut they're going to feel is the transfer portal. I do not think Jonathan would have left if he believed in any way in the plan Barnes was putting together. And unfortunately, a tough weekend to be a Beeves. I hope they recover, but I cannot imagine if I were in their shoes, I would be. You could not console me. Um, I would be probably in a whiskey bottle. Regarding quickly the playoff, John, yeah. watch for the Ducks to cover Friday night. I will be there. I was thinking about the chippy effect. I've been to Seattle and been outnumbered there. I've seen Purple and Autumn. This is going to be special and unique, having close to 50-50 in a building of 65,000. But the Ducks will cover. Look for the committee to leapfrog the Ducks over Florida State, setting up the traditional Rose Bowl matchup with Michigan and give Florida State to Georgia in the sugar. Uh, greatest show. I feel so sorry for the Beavs. I, I, you know, I was happy to knock them yeah. around Friday night, but 
I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I'll, I'll hang up and listen, John. You and Anne are the best. Thanks so appreciate much. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Michael and Eugene. I think you speak for a lot of people. I think I am hearing that from Oregon fans today, especially after a weekend. You know, they see the regular season, the Pac-12 ending. They understand the plight that Oregon State is in. I mean, that's that's basic empathy right there that we're hearing from some of our callers. Dave's in Tumwater. Dave, what's on your mind? Well, John, uh, first of all, thanks for continuing to refer to the game as the Civil War from last week, and if it goes forward, the same. I think Ann's nailed it with the key point. This isn't the normal coaching transition scenario. You yourself, John, used the phrase, Oregon State is in a precarious position. And Smith had to know that, and even with that knowledge of forethought, decided to leave anyway. And so this, this is... This is Erickson, Riley, Riley leaving a second time, times two in terms of its potential dire downside impacts. And, and I defined I, I the callers who are rationalizing, justifying Smith's decision, just simply appalling. And can we stop this best for his, best for his family, those bromides? When Jeff Bezos moved his uh, principal living uh, domicile from uh, Bellevue or whatever it was, to Florida. Was he doing that for the best of his family? No, let's call it for what it was, John. It was simply greed. And Smith panicked. uh, Somebody's going to have to come in and fight the good fight, but he didn't have the gumption to do it himself. Smith is dead to me. And the mere thought that someone's already anticipating him coming back in a few years is almost enough to make me stick to my stomach. There you go, Dave and Tumwater. Appreciate wow. the phone call. Googling yeah. bromides. <laughs> but he's speaking for people. People over the weekend, I heard this anger everywhere. Saturday night, Sunday night, as the news spread. And Jonathan Smith keeps talking, and it keeps getting worse. You know, he's now saying, you know, I wasn't I wasn't just running from somewhere. I was running to somewhere. And, and people are going, well, wait a minute now. What about your alma mater that gave you your first coaching job? Um, you know, I get it. He's got an agent in his ear. Agents telling him, "Hey, you've got to, uh, you've got to go out and you've got to uh, do what's best for you." Um, that that debate over, quote unquote, what's best for your family, has ignited its own sort of sub argument among fans. Is there such a thing as doing what's best for your family, or are you just, you know, using? Um, Using a, uh, stare, you know, uh, are you just basically using that to hide behind? Doing what's best for your family. Well, I don't know what's in Jonathan Smith's heart of hearts. Like, but traditionally, from a public relations standpoint, whenever you hear that statement, um, it's sort of the safe line that it's supposed to be hard to argue so, like, actually, when somebody resigns from a position, right, we've all seen that, something really controversial and terrible happened, and, you know, they are no longer going to be working at the firm because they're going to be spending more time with their family, focusing on their family. Um, this isn't quite that, but it's supposed to be sort of a... Yeah. Um, but a it's a cliche. Line. But it's a cliche that you can throw out that basically says, hey, don't blame me. Mm-hmm. Don't blame me. I had to do what's best for my family. Well, because who are we to dictate what is best for his family? What's best for his family is he get on the damn trampoline in the backyard in Corvallis and stay at his alma mater. 
that would probably that's be best for his kids. They stay in their schools. They get to go to school. But I understand the larger point is that we are a capitalist society. He's got an opportunity to go make more money. We don't have the details as a contract yet, but he's making more than four point eight five million to go to Michigan State, which was paying Mel Tucker like damn near nine ten million dollars a year. So Jonathan Smith gets to go there. He probably got a significant raise. This is millions of dollars for him, and he's in a Power Five conference with resources and doesn't have to worry about what's going to happen in twenty twenty four. What's going to happen in twenty twenty five? So he did what was best for him. And his family, right? That's fair. Right? That's fair to say. Let's go to the phone line. <laughs> Sam is in Portland. Sam, what's up? John, do you know, the great interview with Scott. I think everybody's looking at this all the wrong way. This is not a sinking ship because we have the best captain around, and that's Scott Barnes. The guy almost died earlier this year. He had a heart attack. Then he had to deal with realignment. Uh, now he's had to deal with losing his head football coach. Uh, the more I've seen Scott Barnes work and handle himself and do what he does, the more, like, I've run through a wall for that dude. I mean, I'm, I'm inspired by what Scott Barnes has done at Oregon State, what he continues to do. I, I wasn't sold when he hired Jonathan Smith. You know that. Uh, but I was wrong. And Jonathan Smith was a great hire, and I, I really believe that Scott is going to find the right candidate, and he's going to hire the right person, and Oregon State's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. He's committed. He's invested. And uh, I think every, it's, it's all these people that you don't need to feel sorry for me as a Beaver fan. I've been a Beaver fan for seven, since I was seven years old. You don't need to feel sorry for me. I think it's a bright future for Oregon State, yeah. and I say that because of Scott Barnes, and I'm excited to see who the next coach is and what the schedule is, and we move on. Good luck to Jonathan Smith. He'll always be a beaver. There you go, Sam in Portland. I, I, I keep wondering if Scott Barnes thinks he's going to wake up one day, and this will all have been a dream that <laughs> happened when he, remember he had the cardiac arrest, yeah. he was on the ground at that banquet in Fresno, they were honoring him. You know, they had to do a emergency trauma level, you know, resuscitation. He they, they get his heart beating. They get him to the hospital. He goes back to work. <laughs> I I got to be honest with you. Like we don't ha- we don't have like the best relationship before all that happened. First time I saw him after that, I hugged him because I was just happy he was alive. Like as a human being, I was like, hey, come here, you're alive. And on a human level, like, let's hope he's like yeah. hydrating. Nourishing That's what I said to him. Right now. But I keep wondering, like, if he's going to wake up and go, was this whole thing just like a while I was out? This all happened. The Pac-12 <laughs> didn't really end. I was just out. This is, you know, invented in my, you know, Hitchcock-like imagination. Uh, it's, uh, it's surreal. Like you couldn't make this up. Like even go to the tentacles of this thing. All right, let's go back. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.